Let's take on our Bibles and go to Colossians chapter number one. Last week, we looked at giving thanks unto the Father from verses 12 through 14. Now, I want us to move from Thanksgiving to Christmas in our minds and in our sermon, I guess. And verses 15 through 17 here in Colossians chapter number one, shift from looking at God the Father to Christ the Creator. So let's read together Colossians chapter number one. And why don't we just read from verse number 12 all the way down through verse number 17. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dimensions, dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this time as we look to your word. May the reading and the preaching of it be edifying to the saints. May it be convicting to the sinner. May we grow in the power of your word through the direction of your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin this week and enter into Christmas time, I want to recognize that not only was God's Son a gift to all of the world, but this gift to all the world is God, the creator of all. I think often in our thinking, especially this time of year, we can miss that connection or we can at least take for granted that connection. But in these verses, Paul writes in verse number 15 that Jesus existed before creation. Verse number 16, that Jesus created all things for himself. Verse number 17, it's he who holds all these things together. Well, to the modern believer, then, that gives us clear assurances. Our hope in Jesus Christ is wonderful. We have hope, and it is in him. There is a resting place for our faith. Jesus holds us. And Jesus holds all the rest in his hands. It's an eternal hope. It has no beginning. It has no ending. It just began for us. But it always has been. So in Christ, we can face the season. We can face the day. We can face the problem. We can face Whatever it is that we have coming before us in life, with a confidence, with a hope, you're not going to lose it all. It's not going to fall apart. Everything is going to be all right. Some of us, that bugs us when people tell us that, doesn't it? You want to, anybody need to just gripe this morning for a little bit? Maybe not vocally, but with your hand. I hate when people tell me everything's going to be all right. Any, anybody else like that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> get mad at me. But everything is going to be all right. We used to sing that as a kid in choir. An older man named Harold Davis. He would, he would kind of voice the verses. And then our choir would sing with him, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. It's true for the believer. Everything's not going to be all right for this world. Everything's not going to be all right for America. Everything's not going to be all right for the economy or 
whatever else it is that we fret about and think about and worry about. But to the believer, it is going to be okay. It is going to work out. It is well with our souls. Lord, haste that day when our face, faith shall be sight. The clouds rolled back as the scroll and the Lord descends. Now for some, that'll be fearful. For some, that'll be a time of reckoning. But for you and I, it'll still, even on that day, be well with our souls. Praise the Lord. Why can we say, based off this text, at this time of the year, that everything is going to be all right? Because God with us, Emmanuel, has made a way for us through faith in Christ alone. He then is and will be our creator and our sustainer. So I want us this morning to consider that as we go through these verses, thinking on the topic of Christ the creator. We begin in verse 15 with the heading of God with us. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Firstborn here speaks of Jesus's place and his status. For you and I, firstborn speaks of time, but that's not the biblical sense of it here because Jesus Christ was not the first being created. He couldn't be because he himself was the creator of all things. John 1 is clear on that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. No, he's the creator of all things. So when we say firstborn in regards to Christ here, we simply mean of first importance, of first rank. Uh, Psalm 89, 27 is a good proof text for the understanding of this doctrine. Solomon is called the firstborn there. But you know David's line. Was Solomon the actual firstborn son? He was not. But he was the one God intended to be king. So he was called the firstborn here. Speaking of place and speaking of status. So firstborn of all creation in verse 15 means prior to all creation. Jesus Christ is not a created being. He is eternal God. Now you wrap your head around that and Christmas brings a new meaning this year. But if you understand Christ to be a created being and then you take that doctrine, that fallible, heretical doctrine way too far and say, but, but at his baptism, then he received his deity and then God used him as a tool. Boy, you're really misunderstanding Christ and you're really misunderstanding the importance of what we call Christmas time. Christ is the creator. He's the eternal God. He is the firstborn of every creature. He is the image of invisible God. Now, image here is a unique word. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Image means an exact representation and revelation. Now, we, we understand that a bit in the human sense. I bet some of you encountered this at your holiday gathering. Boy, you look more and more like your dad or your mom or whatever every time I see you. Anybody hear this in the flesh or am I making this up? Yeah, this is a thing. So we sort of understand here as Paul writes that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. But, but it, it takes on deeper meaning when we're talking doctrinally and when we're talking about God in the flesh. Here it means an exact representation, an exact 
revelation. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 1 verse 3 of Hebrews said that Jesus Christ is the express image of his person. That's a great way to put it. It's not that he's just like the Father. It's that he's just like himself and he and the Father are one. Right? That's, that's the thing. So when you think about this baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, and then we think about he was born to die, and that he did bleed and die. I know we don't always think of that as a Christmas doctrine, but it is a very Christmas doctrine. What was God's gift to the world? Why do Christians exchange gifts? Why is this all a big thing? Because God's gift to you and I was the death of his son in our stead. It is our redemption. It's why we go to church on Christmas and Christmas Eve. It's why we worship together. Because God with us became God for us. And now it is finished and we are with God. So he's the exact representation. He's the exact revelation. He's the express image of his person. Or John 14, verse 9, Jesus was able to say, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Many of you know these people that I'm going to speak about, but some of you do not. But most, most everybody here knows Brother George Rye, the former pastor of our church. And if you know Brother George Rye, you know Steve Rye. Now, George Rye is in heaven with the Lord. But sometimes in Dixon, I still encounter Steve Rye. And you know what comes to my mind as soon as I see Steve Rye, from, from, like if he's walking ahead of me at Walmart. I said, it looks like Brother Rye. He's got the same white hair. He's got the same kind of, you know, gait. Let's put it that way. Well, this is the idea we have here. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. But it's even much more the sense in this regard because I and the Father are one, Jesus says here. In his essence, God is invisible, but Jesus Christ has revealed him unto us. What a blessed thought. John 1, 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So this baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, God with us was literally that. He was declaring unto us in human form, God. This is Emmanuel. God is invisible. He's a spirit. But Jesus, as God, came and took on flesh and gave mankind an image to behold creator God in. I long to see him, to meet him. Most of us grew up around a, a picture somebody had in their house of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, right? Or you watch The Chosen and they portray the best they can a character of Jesus. Or maybe you watch The Passion of the Christ. And I appreciate all of these representations because it at least allows our brains to to put some imagery with what this person is going to look like. But can you imagine that day when you actually face to face lay eyes upon Jesus Christ? What a wonderful, wonderful day that'll be. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph that first Christmas morning? Is they're holding Jesus there and the angels have said to them, this is God with you. Nature reveals to us his existence. Nature reveals to us his power. 
Nature even reveals to us his wisdom, but nature cannot reveal the very essence of God to us. It is only in Jesus Christ that the nature of God is revealed perfectly. He's invisible. No mere creature can perfectly reveal God. So Jesus must be God. Now that's a lot of information. In fact, as I was working on this this week, I thought to myself, you guys have just been through Thanksgiving. You've just been through Black Friday shopping. You've just been through the beginning of Christmas planning. And the first thing out of my mouth this morning to you is going to be, it's going to be all right because God's invisible. <laughs> I don't know how helpful that is to you today. But I did want to say to you, God is invisible, but Jesus allowed us to see him. So we're celebrating. After I was working through verse 15, I thought maybe I should change my text. Because after wrestling for a big screen TV with a stranger that you don't know, maybe you need me to speak to you this morning from Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Did anybody get the TV? Did you land it? It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. You did it. I mean, it's on Facebook, I'm sure. After talking to Uncle So-and-So for far too long this week, maybe you need to hear a sermon about God knowing the plans he has for you. No, we have real issues that we face. There are big things in life. So this is a perfect text. It teaches that whatever comes in life, God is bigger. Because God is always enough. He's the firstborn of every creature. Almighty God. Creator. And this almighty God, this creator God, became small. He became a baby. He became the image of the invisible God. He became God with us. The songwriter penned it this way. Fragile finger sent to heal us. Tender brow prepared for thorn. Tiny heart whose blood will save us. Unto us is born. That's touching. Nothing like when you, you kind of goochie goochie goo a baby. You know, you stick your finger down there and they reach up and they grab a home. And you got your, your big adult human finger there and they got that little bitty hand. Or when you feel that little heartbeat of a newborn. But to take that same sentiment and to take that same human realness and apply it to God. He condescended. He came down to us and was born so that we could be saved. God with us. So verse 15, God with us. Verse 16, in Christ alone. Because of God with us, we place our hope in Christ alone. Notice verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So Paul initially says here, by him were all things created. Jesus created all things, thus he himself is uncreated. That's logical. 
So as we think about his life, no wonder the winds and the waves obeyed him. No wonder disease and death fled from him because he is the master over all. No wonder the shine, the star shined brighter than it ever had at the time of his birth. John 1, 3, all things were made by him. Paul elaborates here with examples in verse number 16. All things in heaven, all things in earth, all things visible, all things invisible. Covers it all, doesn't it? I mean, all things in the heavens, all things in the earth, all things that we can see, all things that we cannot see. One of my favorite things about being a preacher is after church, somebody will typically say to me, did you see such and such during church? And I really don't. I know you guys think I'm looking at you. I was taught in uh, freshman in college and I had to take a speech class by a teacher who loved Garfield. I don't know why that's important, but he loved Garfield. But he taught us when you speak, you work the room, you know, from left to right to left to right. And I'm actually looking right above your heads. I'm not looking at your heads. But I try to make it seem like I am because you connect with whoever's talking to you if it seems like they're speaking to you. A trick, right? But I've learned to kind of zone out things best I can. Brother Scotty was talking about during class this morning. He's come to realize what I've come to realize. The glass in the doors back there, it's a, it's a funny thing when people walk across the lobby, it catches your attention. Maybe it's because we live in a world of uneasiness. and What's going on, you know? The Christmas tree helps. It kind of blocks the... Well, we just leave the Christmas tree up year-round. <laughs> Motion. Second. <laughs> but I love it when people will say to me, oh, you didn't see what little Johnny did, dear? No, I didn't. Oh, I was just sure it was being so distracting. It might have been to the people around you, but I didn't happen. One of those invisible things that happened at church. <laughs> Thank God for things that other people don't see or hear or smell. <laughs> all things, he says here in verse 16, all things in heaven, all things in earth, all things visible, all things invisible, all things are under his command. What things? Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. Pastor Scotty's been teaching us about our giving and generosity and money during the Bible study hour. He said this morning, and I didn't answer you there, probably shouldn't answer you now, but he said this morning, when I first said I was going to teach about money, what came to your mind? I'll tell you what came to my mind, Brother Scotty, was the IRS. That's the first thing that popped in my mind. Why? Because they got the power. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. The reigners and the rulers of this world. But all these things... Paul reminds us here, these things are under his command. Why? Because he created all these things. All the things that are in heaven, the planets, the galaxy, the stars, all the things that are in the earth. He created all these things. The weather, the climate, the people, the makeup of the people. Not the like face makeup, but like how the people are created. All these things are in his command. It's a wonderful thought for the believer. I think of Daniel and his friends carried off to Babylon from their home. The king is wicked. 
they're having to live under a rule that they're not happy with. They're having to live in a place that is not their home. They're having to go through things that they otherwise wouldn't choose to go through. But you know, by the end of that book, we see clearly the verse illustrated that says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like a river of water, he turns it whatever, wherever he wants to. By the end of that book, you have this wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, saying, Daniel's God, he's, he's the Lord. Church, we mustn't forget that. We mustn't forget that upon the rock Christ, the church is being built, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All things are under his command. Everything exists in him. Everything exists for him. Everything exists through him. What do I mean by that? Let me give you some subheadings here. Jesus Christ is the area in which all things exist. Jesus Christ is the agent through which all things came into being. And God said, let there be, and there was. Jesus Christ is the Almighty for whom all things were made. Now wrap your head around that. If he's the area in which all things exist, he's the creator, he's the agent through which they were made, and he's the Almighty for which all these things exist. Well, how are all things going to operate? In the end, for his glory. And we're on his side. Now, if you're not on his side this morning, I hope I'm making a case strong enough for you for Christ and Christmas that you would say, I want to be on that side. But believer on his side, that's why I can preach to you this morning. It's going to be all right. You don't have to worry. The Greek philosophers taught that everything needed a primary cause, an instrumental cause, and a final cause. My dad taught that too. He wasn't so philosophical about it, but that is what he taught. Everything needs a primary cause, an instrumental cause, and a final cause. Some of you looked at me funny when I said my dad taught that. Your parents did too. Why'd you do that? Primary cause. You better not ever do that again, and now you're getting a spanking because of it. Instrumental cause. Now you go to your room and think about what you did. It's the final cause. See, your parents are Greek philosophers. You didn't know this. More reason to be thankful. The primary cause is the plan. The instrumental cause is the power. The final cause is the purpose. So as we think about Jesus as the area, the age, and the almighty, and we even apply that to secular philosophy, we come to see that there's the plan, there's the power, and the purpose. So what does this look like in regards to Christ, our creator? Jesus Christ is the primary cause. He planned it. Jesus Christ is the instrumental cause. He produced it. Jesus Christ is the final cause. He did it for his own pleasure. Why am I here? Why did the Lord save me? Why do I have hope that is out of this world? Because of Jesus. Your father planned it all. He planned it, he produced it, and he did it for his pleasure. That's where our hope lies. All my hope is in Jesus in Christ alone, my hope is found. So whether your holidays are a failure or a success, whether things go like you'd hoped or whether they go like you had feared, 
children, whether you get everything you want or you don't, or whatever real problems you're facing today that has nothing to do with any of this, you're going to survive it. You are in Jesus, and Jesus never fails. He just can't. What a wonderful thought. That's how Paul ends this section. He starts with God with us. Jesus came as the image of the invisible God revealed to us. And then he says, because of that, now our hope is in Christ alone. And he concludes with Christ is our sustainer. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Because Jesus is before all things, he can hold all things together. This is another affirmation that Jesus Christ is God. Only God exists before all creation, and only God can make all creation stick together. I love thinking about this when I hear someone talking about how things are changing, they're going to be out of humans' control before long, some, some rock's going to fly through and hit the earth, or the climate's going to change, and we're going to, you know, things are going to freeze up, or they're going to get too hot, or it seems to change what is actually going to happen there. I get confused. I try to figure all this out. I'm not a science guy. I'm a theology guy. Man, if I could convince you to come over to the theological side of things this morning, it's pretty cut and dry. The earth does get destroyed. The scientists are right. That's going to happen. But it's when God says for it to happen, it happens, and we're not here because he's made a new one. Mm. Praise the Lord. And we're with him. And there's no more curse. And there's no more death. And there's no more sickness. Praise the Lord. Mm. He's our creator and our sustainer. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus made all things. He controls all things. And by him, all things hold together. This is why we sing, this is my Father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hands, the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world. The birds, their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my Father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world. The battle isn't done. Jesus who died will be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Because Christ is the creator and the sustainer of all of it. If you sit here today and Life is good and you are satisfied. Well, then give glory to God. He's the reason why and he deserves your praise. But if you sit here this morning and your life is troubled, may I encourage you to just let go? To just give it over to Jesus. He will sustain you. He will carry you. He will keep you. No matter what comes in life, he will be enough because he is all. Let's stand and pray.